0: You're listening to episode 40 of the Body You Crave podcast, the one where we talk about how to lose 10 pounds by summer. I'm master at life and weight loss coach, Jillian Lama, and you're listening to the Body You Crave podcast, where you'll learn how to end emotional eating, lose excess weight, and feel amazing in your body. No cheating required. Keep listening, and I'll show you how. Hey, hey, welcome back and happy International Women's Day. So, even though we are celebrating international women all over the world, I want to talk about a topic that is applicable to both men and women. So, there's no discrimination here. We're going to talk about how do I lose 10 pounds by summer? Because this is something that both men and women can struggle with, can have a desire for, and there is equal pressure on men and women to look a certain way. There typically are just different standards, right? So, for women, A lot of times the desire is, I want to be thinner. I want to be skinny. And if you called a guy skinny, a lot of times that's taken as an insult. Whereas a woman, it might be more of a compliment or more something to be desired. So I don't want to get into the semantics of specific words, but I just want to say that there are men who also want to lose weight, who also feel self-conscious about their body, who also feel like maybe they're not good enough and they don't live up to these certain expectations that society puts on them and their bodies. So today we're going to talk about Losing 10 pounds by summer. And this is something that I started thinking about. And as I started looking through this, I started realizing that the process and the way that we lose weight and specifically 10 pounds before summer is the exact same process that you can apply to any other goal or thing that you may want to achieve. So, whether you are applying for a new job, you're getting a degree or a license in a new field, whether you want to save money or pay off debt, start a new business, you can take the same approach and philosophy and apply it to that. And I think that's what's so cool about life coaching and about the way that I approach weight loss and body image is from this place that it has this ripple effect into every other area of our life. And that's the beauty of this all. So I want to offer that you can apply this in your own weight loss journey. You can also apply this to other areas and other goals that you have for yourself. So 10 pounds before summer. I'm calling summer. Memorial Day. That typically is the official start of summer as Memorial Day weekend. So we're saying 12 weeks, roughly, until summer, and losing 10 pounds. That is so totally doable. I know a lot of you have experience where losing 10 pounds feels hard, Where maybe even losing 5 pounds feels hard, or it feels like a struggle, or it may not be that hard to lose 10 pounds, but it doesn't stay off. What feels really hard is actually keeping the weight off. So we're going to talk about How do we lose it and not fear gaining it back and never gain it back? Because that is going to be far more valuable than losing 30 pounds in the next 12 weeks only to gain that 30 pounds back by September. Nobody wants that. Not only does it wreak havoc on your body, but it wrecks your confidence and self-esteem and the way that you think and talk to yourself. So let's dive in because this is a good one. The number one most important piece is that you must love your process. That is the core theme that we talk about in this entire episode. Too often, we approach weight loss as a form of punishment. We try to take away our favorite foods. We try to force ourselves to do exercise, and it's done in a very shameful manner. So you are bad. Now you can't eat that. You are bad. Now you have to pay the consequences. Sometimes this looks like letting the number on the scale dictate what you can and can't eat. So if the number is too high or if it's not going down fast enough, You take away foods you love. You take away more food, whether it's you take away carbs or you take away protein or you take away more calories. We just double down and we do it harder. Let me low carb harder. And a lot of times we couple that with and run more, exercise more. Let me just eat less and exercise more. It's that whole philosophy. You might also look at what you ate yesterday as determining how much you have to exercise today to make up for it. So then it sounds more like, I can't believe I ate that entire row of Oreos. I better go run an extra two miles today to burn it off. On some level, it sounds logical of, oh, yeah, just calories in, calories out. But this is actually punishment. It's a very punitive way of talking to yourself. And it's saying that because you did this, you made this mistake, you did this bad thing, now you owe this. You were bad. You now have to pay the price. And it just leads back to this narrative of you have to fix yourself. There is something inherently flawed and wrong about you. Something about you right now is not good enough. You have to fix yourself. But before you can change something, you have to accept it first. And that is one of the most challenging parts about life is that so often we want to change things that we don't like about ourselves and we haven't accepted it for what it is. Too often we use what we don't like as ammunition against ourselves. I can't love myself. Because of blank. I can't love myself because of my weight. I can't love myself because I'm constantly eating ice cream. I can't love myself because I'm over drinking. I can't love myself because of and fill in the blank. So I have to earn myself love my value, my place in this world. And ultimately it goes back to I'm flawed, I'm not perfect, and therefore I'm not worthy of my own praise and self-love. I have to earn it. If this is something that you struggle with, then I really encourage you to go back and listen to some of the self-love podcasts I did recently. Episode number 37 is Self-Love is Great, But, and episode number 24 is Self-Care Isn't Just Bubble Baths. So those are going to be two great podcasts to listen to. Also, episode 33, which was about what to do if you regained weight, also talks about self-forgiveness, which is a form of self-love. When we lack self-forgiveness, we often lack self-love and compassion. So there's a big chunk of that episode focused on that. We have to get out of this mindset of weight loss is punishment. And typically with a lot of the diets that we try, weight loss is kind of punishment because it is taking away our favorite foods. It is saying you can have a little bit, but not too much. You've got this many points, this many calories, so you can eat the foods that you love, but then that's it. No more for you. So there's still punishment in terms of you are not allowed to eat if you get hungry. It's a very clear, hard and fast rule. You can't have bread. You can't have sugar. You can't have sweets. You can't have that mocha you really enjoy. And that is one of the biggest problems as to why we gain the weight back is because we don't love the process. Number one, as a whole, we don't love our process because our process is punishment. And who wants to do that for the rest of their lives? Of course, we're like, let me hurry up and get this over with as soon as humanly possible. We're like, yes, let me double down, just let it suck for four weeks instead of four months. We have to learn how to change the way that we think about ourselves and the way that we think about food. Now that we recognize and we can see where some of our approach in the past may have been from a place of punishment, we can start to look at how do I want to change that? How do we move forward? How do I be able to eat the foods that I love and still lose weight and be able to maintain that weight and not feel like I'm constantly sabotaging my progress? So we need to be able to feel comfortable eating the foods we love. Food can't be good or bad, and it can't make you good or bad because that's where the punishment piece comes in. Certain foods are good. Certain foods are bad. We take away those bad foods because shame on you. You weigh too much. And now it's shame on you. You ate that bad food. Now you are bad. It takes us back into that whole punishment punitive conversation around food and your body and yourself when we think of food as being good or bad. So again, it just goes straight back into Food is punishment. So we have to learn how to and become comfortable eating the foods that we love, which means that we have to identify the food rules that are keeping you stuck. So a lot of food rules revolve around what you can and can't eat. So sugar, candy, bread, potatoes, bananas, bad foods. Don't eat those. Those are off limits. It might look like processed foods, meat, dairy, gluten, right? There's all kinds of food rules. And we just have to look at what food rules work for us. There's nothing wrong with creating food rules. In in fact, I encourage my clients to create food rules. I have food rules now, but it's not about food being good or bad. It's things like I'm gonna sit down and eat my meal off of a plate rather than standing up in the kitchen and eating it out of a pan or eating it out of a bag. I'm going to take my time and I'm gonna sit and enjoy something. One of my food rules is if it's not an eight out of 10 or better, I'm not eating it, I'm not drinking it. And so it makes it a little bit easier To be able to throw out the food when it's a 2 out of 10, you're like, oh, yeah, this is terrible not eating that. But when it's a 6 out of 10, and you're like, I don't want to waste it. But there are starving children somewhere in the world. We have a lot of thoughts. We have a lot of drama about that. And I go back to, no, if it's not an 8 out of 10, it's not going in my mouth. There's nothing wrong with enjoying food. We just don't want the sole source of our joy, pleasure, and comfort each day to be food or wine. That's the habit we want to get out of. But we do have to identify what foods you have rules around. The other aspect here is learning how to eat the food without feeling anxious. So it's really easy for me to tell you things like, oh, of course you can eat bread. Of course you can eat sugar. Of course you can do these things and still lose weight. It's a whole other thing when you have trained yourself for decades that food is bad, that I have to stay under a certain calorie limit, that carbs are evil that sugar is the devil. We really have to rewire how our brains work and how they think. I used to have a lot of anxiety around carbs. Even though I had a health coach who was like, hey, look, with how much you are exercising, you should be getting in six servings of carbs. But I was terrified of carbs. There was no way, no way in hell I was eating six servings of carbs. She has lost her damn mind. That's exactly what I was thinking. Absolutely not. I can't possibly lose weight doing that. Sometimes there's that emotional tie, or there's these thoughts that are very deeply ingrained that we have to start to work through. And it looks like taking small steps forward. It means that for me, rather than trying to go from only eating one or two servings of carbs a day, which by the way, I was eating six, I just was eating low carb protein bars and popcorn and other snack foods. I was still getting in, I'm sure, the servings of carbs. For me, what would have been better was to say, rather than trying to eat, six servings to say, hey, can I go to two servings consistently? Can I go to three servings consistently? And start to take baby steps and prove to myself because the moment that scale goes up, you're going to freak out and you'll be like, oh crap, it's all gone wrong. It's not working. See, I told you I couldn't lose weight and eat carbs. I told you I couldn't eat bread. Told you I couldn't eat the sugar. It just proves to yourself and reinforces that thought that this food is bad and you can't lose weight eating it. So you just have to be aware of how we're starting to ease into this process. I'm not saying that you go out and you only eat pizza and burgers and fries. As delicious as those foods are, I eat way more vegetables and lean meats. I spend way more time eating quality, healthful foods, but I'm not afraid to eat the loaded french fries with brisket and cheese sauce and barbecue sauce. I'm not afraid to eat the fried Brussels sprouts. I'm not afraid of eating a piece of pizza. I've created so much more peace and ease around food to where I can have a little and be satisfied and still fuel my body with more good, real, whole foods. And occasionally when I want Chick-fil-A fries, it's not a problem. That's how we have to do it. But we have to ease our way in. We have to look at how can I feel comfortable eating the foods that I love. Food rules often just give you a false sense of security and certainty. So it's just eat this, not that, and then you'll create the results you want. But it never teaches you how to eat it and be satisfied because we are so used to moralizing where it's good or bad. And it's a bad food. I'm not supposed to eat it. So what happens when it's a bad food and you eat it? You're like, well, screw it. I already ruined the day. Let me just keep on stuffing my face. Let me just keep on going. Screw it. I already had Chick-fil-A fries at lunch. So I guess it's game on. I'm just going to eat whatever I feel like for the rest of the day. And we throw away the day. We throw away the week. or We throw away the second half of the entire month without looking at how do I save it? How do I not make that a problem? How do I just keep going? How do I get right back on track without the restriction moving forward? And that's what we have to do. That's why we need to address our food rules. For many of us, we have a lot of conflicting food rules. We might have a lot of ones that we have mashed together into this like Frankenstein type of diet. I know for a while I was trying to do low fat, low calorie and low carb. And so of course I'm going to have more cravings for quick energy foods, for high energy foods. So high fat foods and high carb, high sugar foods. Because my body is like literally starving because that is the, that's often the food rule we're given is just starve yourself, just exercise more and eat less. And it doesn't work long term. I have a whole podcast episode on this, on the myth of calories in calories out that you can go back and. I've listened to as well because this is something that we get so wrong. So episode number 12 is called Hunger Games, Why Calories In, Calories Out Doesn't Work. And by work, you lose the weight and keep it off for life. That's the key here is that we don't gain the weight back. That's what it means for a diet to work. So in order to love our process, we have to feel comfortable with food, comfortable eating the foods that we love. We're not taking away food as a form of punishment. We're not forcing ourselves to exercise. And we need to feel certain about a simple plan and process. I always start clients off by creating a realistic plan for foods and drinks that you actually enjoy, where, again, you are an 8 out of 10 or better, where you're like, hell yeah, I can get on board with that. I'm actually excited about the food that I'm eating. I'm looking forward to it. I enjoy that food. So we start by planning the foods you actually love and enjoy, and we practice waiting for true physical hunger and stopping it satisfied. And again, it's not about waiting until you are about to pass out, have a headache, want to throat punch somebody you're so hungry, right? We're not getting to that level, waiting for hunger, and then stopping when I'm satisfied. And then we focus on getting 1% better every day. So maybe you swap a mocha for tea one day. Maybe the next day you swap your chips for veggie sticks. Maybe the following day you add a side salad to your burger and fries. Maybe the next day you eat grilled chicken instead of fried. Right, it doesn't have to be the same level up every single day. Every day can be different and you can be incorporating new things and you get 1% better day after day and it builds on itself and it compounds and you start to get used to, "Hey, now half of the week I'm eating grilled chicken instead of fried. Hey, now half of the week I'm adding in a side salad and I'm not even eating the fries." That's what we want to go for. That's how we can start with these realistic plans you meet yourself right where you're at today. And we just focus on small, simple steps moving forward. The other piece is looking at some of the lifestyle aspects. So drinking a minimum of 65 ounces of water, getting in seven to nine hours of sleep, focusing on creating less stress and being intentional about creating more joy in your life. And again, getting 1% better day after day. This is the simple process, the simple plan for weight loss. This is what you have to focus on. It actually doesn't even matter what you eat. For so many people, you will lose 10 pounds simply by waiting for true physical hunger and stopping at satisfied. You could be eating chocolate cake and potatoes and bananas and all the things that we think are bad and off limits. And you will still lose the weight because you are listening more to your body. You are tuning into your true hunger and satiety. And it's starting to move us in the direction of now we can solve for the real problem if I'm eating and I'm not truly hungry, I'm emotionally eating. If I'm eating beyond the point of being satisfied, I'm emotionally eating. Now we can start to look at that. Now we can start to solve for the emotions. We don't need to solve for the food piece. If it's a weight loss process that we actually love and enjoy, we have to be planning with the foods that we love. And now we have to start to look at what am I thinking about my process? This is where we start to bring in some of the thought work what am I thinking about this weight loss plan and this protocol? Am I telling myself it's not fair? I don't get to eat those foods. I can't eat what she gets to eat and still look that way. I don't get to eat as much as he gets to eat. Is that what I'm focused on? Do I keep telling myself, oh, I just want to hurry up and get it over with? Because of this weight loss thing, it's punishment. It sucks. It's not fun. And ultimately we think that over there is going to be so much better than right here. That's something about me 10 pounds lighter is somehow significantly better than me right now. But a smaller body doesn't fix a broken self-concept. Just being a smaller size, just having a lower weight doesn't mean that you're actually gonna think and talk any differently to yourself. This is a great kind of challenge for everybody. What will you be thinking and feeling about yourself once you lose these 10 pounds? So if you're like, hell yeah, I'm on board, I'm gonna lose the 10 pounds by summer, awesome. What will you be thinking and feeling about yourself after you lose the 10 pounds? I want you to write it out write it down. Make a list on your phone, start it, and just keep adding to it. What are you going to be thinking and feeling about yourself? Because loving the process requires you to change the way that you talk to yourself, the way that you think about yourself. So we have to look at how do I think about myself now? What are all the thoughts that I have about me? What are the predominant feelings that I have towards myself? And how do I think I'm going to think and feel later? Because this is just a guess. We're just guessing at how we're going to think and feel. And we want to look at how do I start thinking those future thoughts now? How do I start feeling proud of myself now? How do I start feeling successful now? How do I start feeling confident now? I'm sure you're seeing a pattern here. Taking everything that will think and feel in the future and looking at how do I start to step into that now? Because if you are constantly comparing and nitpicking and judging yourself at 150 pounds, I guarantee you're going to do the exact same thing at 120 pounds. Because how you get there is how you'll be there. We have to start to break that habit of the criticism, judgment, shame, negative self-talk, the aspects of punishment. Because if you lose your weight punishing yourself all the way down the scale, that's how you stay there. You have to keep punishing yourself in order to maintain the weight loss. That's why weight loss rarely sticks with most diets. So we change that conversation now as we're going. Comparison creates unnecessary suffering. When we are constantly comparing ourselves, sizing ourselves up, looking at somebody else and assuming that they somehow are better than us because they have a smaller body or a thinner waist or different sized body shape, we're always looking at how we don't measure up, how I'm not good enough. We internalize so much of it. We take so much of it personally. It now becomes this big character flaw. So we have to start to change this conversation. And part of that is focusing on the gain, not just the gap. We're looking at where can I see progress and not be so hung up on perfection. Episode number four was one of my favorite to record, Busting Perfectionist Fantasies. Perfectionism is something that I still am working on. And I have taken great strides, but it's something that I still find myself setting the bar really high. And I recognize that. I understand it. I'm not beating myself up for it, but I have to start to change the conversation. I just start praising myself for things, even if they're not perfect. We have to get excited about the little things. Stop telling yourself that a little bit better isn't good enough. Stop telling yourself that a small, simple step isn't good enough. Stop telling yourself that one pound a week isn't good enough or that it's too slow. Because you slow down your progress and your momentum when you do this. And this is the power of having a coach is because so much of this is our thought work. It's how are we thinking about our process, about our progress? If you don't have somebody on the outside who can help you see all of your thoughts about yourself and about your weight loss process and this journey, you need that in order to break this habit, in order to lose the weight and keep it off. If you want a process that you actually enjoy and love, you need to be able to see what you're currently thinking and how that is slowing you down. And to recognize that it's normal for our brains to want big wins. It's normal for your brain to say a pound a week is too slow. Of course, if you have evidence where in the past you lost five pounds a week, you're going to be like, one pound? That's not good enough. That is way too slow. When one pound is very average for most people. You might have some weeks where there are some bigger drops. But if you want to actually keep the weight off, one pound is extremely doable. If you have 50 pounds or less to lose, you want to be focused on one pound a week. And when that becomes the benchmark, when that is the baseline, now on those weeks when maybe you lose two or three pounds, hell yeah, but that doesn't become the new baseline. The one pound a week is still that baseline. There was a time when I was going from 125 to 124, and I was really focused more on my emotional eating, not so much on my weight, but I was losing 0.2 pounds each week, which means it took me five weeks to lose one pound. Never once was I saying that this isn't good enough because I was getting there. And every time we start saying it's too slow, it's not happening fast enough, we slow ourselves down. We do more harm than good. What can you be proud of yourself for today, right now? How can you be proud of your action, your attempts, even if you're not creating results or creating the ultimate result you want just yet? So one of the things I have clients do is to track their habits, specifically new habits, because our brains are very quick to say it's not working something has gone terribly wrong or we maybe start off, we get four or five weeks in and we've been losing consistently. And then week six, we maybe maintain or this scale goes up a pound. And then all of a sudden our brain is like, yeah, it's not working. And so we need to learn how to track without shame or judgment so that we can see, is the process not working or am I not working? We have to start to take some of that responsibility and look at, Where am I not showing up? How am I not taking action? This was huge for me. I noticed last month when I was tracking some different things, I noticed that I was feeling frustrated mid-month. And when I looked back, I was like, oh, but I actually was doing very well. And this was related more to business. But I was like, oh, no, I've actually done like incredibly well. I've had some amazing wins. And I can also see how, oh, I only posted on Facebook twice in 14 days. So I had to look at, oh, I'm actually just not following through on my goals. That's okay. I don't have to beat myself up for it. I can just start to notice it and recognize and now change it and take action to, to change that and to go the other direction. How do I get back into the groove of things? So we need to be able to track without beating ourselves up, without judging ourselves, just to see where we are and where we can improve. So let's say you get in 65 ounces of water four out of seven days a week. You need to praise yourself for those those four days. Be like, yes, high five, way to go. The bulk of the week, over 50%, you were rocking it. That's amazing. Now let's look at what's going on those other three days and let's look at it like a detective. Let's get curious on what were the obstacles? What were the challenges? What can you do or what's within your control to make it five out of seven days for the following week? We really wanna look at how do I get better and just look at tracking our habits as helping us to see the areas for growth, the areas of opportunity and where we can start to praise ourselves now. Okay. The other piece here is that just be mindful not to constantly be setting new goals and moving the goalpost to where, oh, yay, I I lost five pounds, but I really have 20 pounds to lose. So let me just go on to the next five pound goal without taking some time to actually praise and congratulate yourself on that progress. I think it's really easy for us to just keep moving the goalpost and to never feel satisfied, to not be celebrating not looking at how far you've come. We're still looking at, well, how far do I have to go? What's the gap until I get to that end result? Instead of what's the gain? How have I been doing? What are my improvements since I first started? It's really interesting here to talk about pride. And I think feeling proud is something that a lot of us want to feel in life, whether it's for things that we do in our job, with our careers, with our health, with our bodies. There's all kinds of areas in which we wanna feel proud. And yet, somewhere along the way, we also learned that we can't be too proud. We learned to play small. We learned to water down our accomplishments. We learned to not speak so highly of ourselves. Maybe somebody told you, either as a kid or as an adult, I find that a lot of times we adopt these thoughts or beliefs as kids, but it could have been as an adult as well, that nobody likes a bragger. Don't be cocky or arrogant. It's important, too, that we look at the definition of words, because a lot of times it's not relevant. So if we look at the definition of arrogant, arrogance is a sense of superiority or self-importance or entitlement. So when we feel proud, we are not necessarily being arrogant. That might be somebody else's judgment of us. It might be their insecurity coming out. But just because you are proud of an accomplishment doesn't mean that you have a sense of superiority or self-importance or vanity. You may have been told, like, oh, don't be so vain. And vain is excessively proud. What's excessive? Who says what's excessive? So what somebody calls vanity, somebody else might call confidence. All of these things are so subjective. But you are now letting somebody else's thoughts dictate how you feel about yourself and what you can and can't think and say about yourself. Low self-esteem and low confidence come from not praising yourself, not feeling proud, even for the little things, when you stop being your own biggest cheerleader. That's where we get hung up. It's because so often we want to feel good. We want to feel proud. And yet we're not doing that for ourselves. We expect other people to do it for us. We expect other people to celebrate or praise us or tell us we're beautiful or tell us we look amazing. And you're not doing that for yourself. That is one of our biggest challenges is how do I start to compliment myself first? I don't make that my husband's job. I don't make that my best friend's job. I don't make that my mom's job. I praise and am proud and I get to feel the way that I want to feel now. It's totally normal that we learn things and we pick these things up. Nobody likes a bragger. Nobody likes people who are cocky or arrogant. And so what we do is we learn that this is how you are liked. This is how I'm Accepted. This is how I'm part of the group. This is how I'm in community. This is right. This is wrong. This is good. This is bad. Especially as kids in those first seven years, that's what we're doing. We're downloading everything around us and just absorbing it like a sponge. And we're learning these things of like, how do I fit in? How am I liked and accepted and part of this group? And so your have a brain wants to keep you safe, it wants to keep you there. And so anytime you get an external comment from somebody else that's negative, it senses danger. And it's thinking, oh, no, I don't want to be kicked out of the the community. I want to be liked. I want to be part of this group. So I shouldn't do that again. And it's going to look for any threat or potential threat and focus on that in an attempt to keep you alive. So it's going to say, oh, when we talked about ourselves, when we were proud, when we were sharing about our accomplishments and how good we were doing, that was met with something negative. So we don't want to do that again because that was bad. That was threatening. That threatened your very survival. That is what your habit brain is thinking. It's very primitive. It runs on autopilot. It runs on emotions. And it runs on habits. Hence why it's called the habit brain. So we just want to understand that we've learned and adopted these things over time. And it doesn't have to be a problem. The other piece here is that a lot of times misery loves company. People who think and feel terrible about themselves and about their lives are not going to like you talking about your progress and how good you're doing and how much weight you're losing and how amazing your life is. They feel insecure. And there are going to be times where sometimes they try to make you feel bad. And there are going to be sometimes when you allow them to make you feel bad. Sometimes you might pick up on their awkwardness or their discomfort. And then in order to try to control their emotions, you stop talking about how proud you are, your accomplishments, where you've come. But you are simply trying to control their emotions in both situations, whether you allowed them to make you feel bad or whether you picked up on something that was more unspoken That is just you trying to make them happy, trying to please them, trying to control how they think and feel. When that is theirs to own, that is not your job. It is not your responsibility. That is for them. And if they want to feel insecure, that's on them. And that's their work to do. You can't do that work for them. And you can't want it for them more than they want it for themselves. The other piece here is that when your life sucks, then these other people, they don't feel so bad about themselves. They might even think, at least I'm better than her. <laughs> at least I'm better than him than that guy over there. It's, it's just natural and it's often a defense mechanism to bring other people down. And so you may have experienced that when you were trying to share accomplishments or share where you've come or to celebrate with certain people. And so it's something that we just want to get back into the habit of really looking at what can I be proud of myself for today? We jumped around and touched on a lot of topics, but it all comes under how do we create a process that we love and that we enjoy? Because how you lose the weight is how you're going to keep it off. We can't think that how I lose it is going to be any different than how I maintain it. This is why we never maintain. It's because our diets are often punishment, and we don't want to maintain the actions and what was required to get there. So. Three steps to start taking action today. You want to start losing your 10 pounds starting today. Number one, eat when you're hungry and stop when you're satisfied. Done. Doesn't matter what you're eating. We're going to focus on that. Am I hungry? You are always going to ask that before you eat. Am I hungry? And then as you're eating, check in and see where am I in my body? Am I satisfied? It's not about being hungry all day. It's just about waiting for physical hunger before we start eating and recognizing when our body is satisfied and had enough. So that's step number one. Number two, I want you to write down one intentional thought about yourself every day. What do you want to think about yourself? What do you think that you will be thinking 10 pounds from now? How do you start to step into those thoughts now? And that's what I want you to focus on. One intentional thought about yourself, and this is a great thing to do in the morning, and then in the evening, what is one thing you are proud of yourself for? Every single day. Every day, we're doing those three things, hunger and satiety, an intentional thought about myself, and one thing I'm proud of myself for. I'm a part of a summit all about how do we lose 10 pounds by summer, and there are over 20 different experts coming together to talk about different topics. So I'll be talking about emotional eating because that's my jam. I will have a link in the show notes where you can sign up and register for that. That's happening Tuesday through Thursday this week. My presentation is going to be live Wednesday night. 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. And if this is something that you would like more help with, if you would like to lose 10 pounds before summer, if you would like to create a process that you can enjoy where it feels fun, easy, and doable, and it's something where you can maintain your weight loss into the summer and all the way through the holidays and into next year, then I would love to help. You can schedule your free consultation at bodyyoucrave.com forward slash schedule. You'll find a day and time on my calendar that works for you. And we'll spend one hour really looking at where are you now? Where do you want to be? At the end of the year on December 30th, where do you want to be? What do you want to be thinking and feeling about yourself? How do you want to feel in your body? What do you want your body to look like? What are some of those goals? And then I'll help you identify and look at what are the real obstacles and challenges standing in your way. And I'll help you create a process that not only works, but it's simple, sustainable, and it's going to last a lifetime. So again, you can get all the details at bodyyoucrave.com forward slash schedule. All right. Have a wonderful day, y'all. Happy International Women's Day. Here's to creating the body and life you crave. If you like this episode, then you'll love my free virtual workshop